Fight for Together podcast. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Whoa, I like those uh, sunglasses. Oh my gosh. You want, okay, so I have this like crazy eye infection. Oh my gosh. And my eyes are super red and the light oh, is no. killing them. So in case you just look like I'm in creep mode or whatever, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the story with that. Where are oh, you no. at now? You're in a new location, huh? I am. I'm out in the back shed. My oh, workshop. Okay. Hey, so. congratulations. Thank you. Is it done? Thank you. It's done. Friday. Friday. Friday was the last day. And today is Monday morning for you in Australia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the first day of not waking up and well, waking up and not checking email. Oh and, my gosh. Uh, my calendar for the first time in as long as I can remember. Wow. So it's a whole a whole different uh whole different ball game. Yeah. A whole new whole new experience. I'll bet it is, huh? Mm. Well, uh congratulations. That's uh that's so exciting. That, yeah, it feels huge. I can't it wait to huge. uh to talk about it a little bit more. Thanks for the flexibility. I had a um a COVID test like scheduled for this exact time that we had to like drive and oh, take and yeah yeah no no problem no problem at all i'm totally flexible great <laughs> yeah i guess so huh yeah <laughs> so is my is my sound okay it sounds i've got a bit of i've got a bit of background noise here oh it I've sounds turned... great i had okay. a i just had a heater on that just turned off so that might make it a little bit sound a little better for you too Okay. No, no, couldn't hear. It's fine. But um, so I wanted to, uh, I guess, I mean, it's kind of weird because, and I'll speak to the audience for a little bit. Steve here is a, what a coaching client, I guess. I don't even know what to call it. So, I mean, a supporter from Patreon mm -hmm. and one of the awards, we call it an award, but it's basically just a, a way to get coaching with me you've done it now for you said it was almost a year but it does i think it is it is almost a year i checked yeah it doesn't seem like that long to me it's gone super quick and we had our last call what this last week and you mm. shared these really exciting announcements and basically i was like i cannot wait for you to share this story i would love to turn this into a, a video of some just for give you a place to share exactly what you did and why so it's gonna be weird because mm. you and I already talked about a lot of these things, mm -hmm. but I just want to get you to say it again this time while filming it, basically. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, just because it was so cool. Uh, I guess to start off with, just because I can't wait, you already sent me the email saying you got your your package. Indeed. Sure did. All right, let me see it. Okay. You got it there. All right. Right here. Oh, absolutely. And I want to show you this right here. Mm, this is one of my, so good. these are one of my favorite cigars right here. Oh, wow. And you can see how many I have. <laughs> and, uh, and I wanted to send you a little, a little gift. It was fantastic. And, complete, and you got your cutter. The cutter. All right. Now this was the first cutter I ever bought. Oh, is that right? Um, yes. When I first decided to get into cigars. That's so cool. Uh, the Zycar cutter. You don't have to smoke it now if you don't want. I, I can't smoke because 
I'm all fucked up in the eyes and head and stuff. Mm -hmm. So whatever is the most appropriate way for you to enjoy that. Uh, okay. Terrific. I want you to do it. And for those of you that are asking, nice. this is Thank you the very much. Uh, Deadwood Tobacco Cigars. Uh, this is a fat bottom belly, Betty and uh, um, one, some of my favorites lately, but that was what I wanted to send you. Um, no, it was very much appreciated, Ben. Thank you so much. I got this text in the morning from the local post office saying, a delivery is coming your way today. And I thought, what have I ordered? I don't remember ordering anything. So it was a huge, it was a huge surprise. Oh, good. And it's really quite happenstantial that it arrived on your last day of work because I just, it didn't give me an option. I just did the, whatever shipping was the default one. No, it's fantastic. For those that are listening in, um, there's a little bit of a backstory here too. And I want to remind you because it was one of my favorite moments that I've shared with a few people. Uh, it was probably about six months ago. You mentioned that one of your favorite um, things that you saw in our videos, on our vlogs, was one of these almost incidental side events that Cammy and I do, which is occasionally we smoke a cigar while filming. Mm. And you said that that made an impact on you, just watching us smoke. Yep. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to speak to that for a moment. I That really stood with me because it's one of those things that we do that that I really enjoy, specifically cigars, which take an hour. Well, I thought it was a, I've just observed it as a really lovely way that you guys connect. And often I've noticed when you're sharing a cigar, um, it, it seems to put you both in a reflective mood. And I think that um, reflection is probably something that I've noticed in myself that I don't do enough of. And when I do do it, I get a, a huge amount from it. And I just noticed that it's a lovely um, ritual almost that, that you guys have that, that brings you together. And, um, and uh, it's just a great thing that you both, um, both share. And uh, yeah, so that's what I, I, I really admired that actually. It was, it's so funny because we try so damn hard to, to be impressive mm. on our vlog and say all these fancy smart things. And then you never know what's going to hit people. And in this case, lighting a cigar was, I remember you saying it was one of the more yeah, <laughs> the right. things that was the most impressive and wowed you. And I was like, well, that's kind of fun. And yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, look, the, the vlog is called fight for together. And I think having that cigar together is, is, is one of the really beautiful things actually. Yeah. Well, I also, I, Cammy didn't use to smoke. So I thought it was really great when she started smoking cigars with me, except for mm. it's twice as expensive and, yeah. and she smokes quite a bit more than I do, or at least would prefer, <laughs> but then, then it yeah. kind of backfired. So I would caution those people out there that just think it's going to be the greatest thing to be able to smoke with their spouses. Uh, it could, you might want to think twice, um, yeah. but on a, on a more serious note, there was something, mm. you know, it was very symbolic for me to send this to you because um, when I first got into smoking cigars, I loved how, I mean, it, 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 from one perspective, it feels like this completely wasteful activity. I mean, you take this mm. stick that's mm. leaves that costs like anywhere from five to $20 and you mm. just light it on fire. I mean, you're yep. literally almost lighting money on fire, mm -hmm. but what it did for me was it caused me to pause for an hour 
And I usually did it in social environments because I, I first experienced this cigar lounge and I just saw these people and they lit the cigar and they did it in these groups. And the second you light it, you just, it's like this commitment saying, Hey, I'm here for the next hour. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And that yeah. just felt like so unique compared to these other environments that I had been in. And, and it's something that I love about my time that I can tell people and even myself, Hey, I'm going to, I'm just going to relax for this next hour. So mm. as you were thinking of, I know that's something you had commented on and because you had mentioned, you know, I don't, not that you'd call it retirement, but certainly what we're going to talk about here is you not having a job anymore. I was mm. like, Oh, what a perfect symbol to send you yeah. <laughs> and to wish you hours of free time that you can do whatever the hell you want. No, exactly. Well, thank you very much, Ben. And, uh, as you know, it was the very first thing we spoke about 12 months ago when we met. I think my opening question to you was, um, you know, how do I take a, a sabbatical, a career break? And, um, you know, that's been a, it's a, been a topic of conversation for a year. It certainly wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, so I'm super excited to talk with you about that some more. Yeah, so I have no agenda here besides maybe just you getting, I'm going to ask you some questions that maybe get you telling your story. Sure. Um, so I don't know if you have a place where you want to start. I mean, uh, you were making, you can be vague in terms of whatever amounts you want, but you've been working at this job for X amount of time and making mm. six figures, a pretty uh, healthy amount from your own perspective, pretty happy mm. with the amounts. Sure. Uh, yeah. You've told yep. me. Yep. Um, so look, I was a, um, a little, maybe a bit of background, Ben. So I'm a father of five. I live, as you can probably tell, or perhaps you can tell from the accent, I live in Australia, uh, live just outside of Melbourne. Um, father of five, as I said, and uh, I've got five teenagers. So I've got uh, two 18 year olds, two 17 year olds. No, sorry, two 16 year olds. I lose track and one 13 year old. So it's a busy household. And, um, and, uh, and that includes two stepsons. That's why I've got a couple of, um, couple of kids at the same age. We don't have twins. So um, um, my wife and I have been married for 11 years. And so um, one of the things actually, Ben, that appealed to me about um, the Fight for Together vlog is that... Um, even just the name resonated with me because I found that um, I've lived life in a bit of a vice where there's pressure from all sides in closing quite often, whether it's work pressure, family pressure, pressure on myself. And so for quite some time, I've been wanting to find a little bit of a circuit breaker to that pressure. But to come back to your original question, one of the things that has made it really hard to make a decision to reduce pressure to change elements of my life has been my income. And um, I worked, I worked in the past tense as a, <laughs> as a pretty senior um, executive in, in one of the banks here in Australia, earning, you know, very, very good money um, well into the six figures. And so, you know, it kind of, it, it can be hard to give that up. Yeah. Uh, your, your lifestyle kind of adapts to to the earnings in in some ways and but but I think more so for me it was all the what ifs that were running through my mind so you know what if one of the kids gets really sick what if 
you know, there's this terrible economic downturn and suddenly we can't afford our house anymore. What if? And um, yeah, the what ifs were crippling for, for, for quite some time. Can you talk about, I mean, you gave some examples, uh, uh, economic downturn, uh, something mm-hmm. happening to the kid. I mean, are there any more like what ifs and like the top ones in your mind that? Sure. Yeah. Well, what if, um, what if I get out and um, the grass isn't necessarily greener? What if, um, what if, what if I'm seen to be a failure? What if I disappoint the people around me? What if, um, what if I'm judged for leaving a, you know, secure, well-paying interesting job um so there was there's certainly the financial pressure uh, well financial considerations i should say but more so i would say a certain for for lack of a better word uh, social pressure as well because it's just not the done thing you don't just um you don't just leave a job without something else necessarily to go to i love that you highlight that because I really think it's sometimes for me that abstract, um, I don't know what to call it, but I think deep down, you know, like shit could go wrong. Like you could run out of money, but the biggest factors I don't really think people are making are about starving to death are Mm. actually literally about healthcare. I think it's fear of making a mistake Mm. and having the world or your parents maybe your spouse in circumstances or your neighbors point at you and say, I told you so. Mm. Mm. I think that can be more scary than really. For sure. For sure. And the last thing that I wanted to do was get six months down the track and think, Oh my gosh, you know, I should never have left. Um, But the way that I've been thinking about it, Ben, is that I guess life is a, is a series of experiences and, and I'm ready for my next experience, whatever that is. Um, you know, I've experienced working as a senior executive in a large organization with a large team and a large budget and all the, all the um, trappings that um, come with that. But I'm ready for the next experience now. I've, I've, um, I've ticked off that experience and I'm ready to try something new. And that's kind of the way I've had to really think about it. Um, not so much through the what ifs, that's how I've sort of, I guess, turned my thinking around, but rather you know, life being a, a series of experiences. So I want to, I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about your yep. job. Um, yep. How long were you at this organization? I was there four years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you already said you're making good money. You're in some yep. sort of like upper level management. Yep. And you've told me enough times that you really enjoyed most of your coworkers and you had a, you had earned a position of where you were pretty highly respected. Uh, mm-hmm. and it seemed like you, you know, I mean, cause it's easy to paint the picture of your job kind of sucking because mm. of the negative impacts it had on your life, but that's not the impression. I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons, right. To a job totally. like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, can you paint a picture just a little bit about like what some of the benefits are to a six figure banking executive job? Sure. So it's, it's, that's a really good question. So when I was telling people that uh, I was leaving, they would kind of look at me 
And, and that asked why. <laughs> and they would kind of look at me and think, that doesn't sound like a very good reason to be leaving. There must be something else going on because, you know, I, I, I'd tell them I wanted to spend, um, you know, more time with my family, which I think has become a bit of a cliche thing as well. So I want to, I want to talk about that. Um, I would talk about how I wanted to try out new experiences um, but people would sort of look at me with this, no, nah, there must be more to this story um, than meets the eye. And I think, um, and, I, and I understand it because to your point, Ben, there are a lot of benefits of, of, of working for a large organisation, particularly in an uncertain environment that, like we're in at the moment where there's, there's relative security around um, income and all of those sorts of things. So, uh, benefit number one is, of course, you get paid well. That's that's, that's which is ironic, benefit. though, right? In terms of stability, because while you've been working in this organization for four years, you mm. actually lost your job in the last year, right? And got or internally at least got transferred within the organization. Mm. So I lost my job over the course of the four years. I actually lost my job two or three times I think <laughs> really? in various restructures <laughs> and reorganizations and managed to you know come through each of those situations in really good shape um but yeah that that is one of the ironic things that it can feel secure but it's not necessarily secure um and I think too the the camaraderie that you build with others that you work with Ben that's a huge thing like um you know the thing that I will miss the most and, and actually I said this in my parting email to the team was that there is a certain energy that in, in those organizations. And um, I, I was in an area that was um, that I described as having a real youthful energy. And, um, um, you know, a group of people that were really committed to trying new things and um, taking safe risks and, um, and um, being innovative. And I, I got a real buzz out of that. And I've worked with a lot of people that were relatively early in their career. So, you know, I was kind of seen as, I guess, the, uh, well, I, I was a mentor to many of them and, and, and a coach to others. And um, I, got, I got just as much out of that as, um, as they did, perhaps even more so. Um, so, you know, you, you do, you feel important. So you're, you're making good money. You're, you're feeling important. You're having an impact on um, people's, you are having an impact on people's lives. Um, and, um, you know, there is, it's, 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 I did have a good job. Like I was playing with some really cool tech, solving some really big um, business challenges. Um, so there was lots to, there is um, lots to love. And, and coincidentally, I was, I've been interviewing some of the people that are going to replace me and, um, um you know, I've been able to talk to a lot of benefits of the job above and beyond the dollars. And you've mm. told me numerous times over the course of our sessions um, how much you feel like your giftings were being used with this team mm. and how you're coming alive. So, and this is important because what, you know, it's, it's, I think it's so easy to um, create this polarization between saying, oh, entrepreneurship is better than corporate. Mm or being at home is better than working a job. And I, I don't mm. necessarily believe that. Mm. I do enjoy pushing a conversation of how you evaluate pros and cons for those things. Mm. So that's what I want to kind of move on to next. So you're in this fucking, what, 
kind of a dream job for you, right? I mean, you're happy there in a way, or at least it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, what, when did you become dissatisfied? What, what was the rub? Oh, that's a good question. Um, don't know. I, look, it's kind of, it's a, it's a really good question, Ben, because I can't pinpoint it. Right. So it's sort of like this thing that builds up over time. And it's like the, the story of the frog in the boiling water. I think it is where the temperature just goes up a degree each day and you don't actually necessarily notice the temperature increase. Um, and, and that's, that, and, and that's probably the analogy that I would use. Like I, you, you feel the, um, maybe the pangs of dissatisfaction building ever so slightly, but, and, and this was something Ben actually that, um, really resonated with me from your book. I, I just didn't let the thought of quitting ever really enter my mind. Um, and, um, you know, I know you spoke, yeah, yeah. And I, and I know that you spoke to that early in, um, in the, um, you know, the, in your book, because it's a sort of dangerous path to go down. Once you let your mind start <laughs> to go there, um, it can be tricky to back out. So I never really, thought about quitting but i could have i was having these feelings of mm, is this really is this job giving to me um what i really need out of life and so it was quite deep um you know reflective um questions and sure it's giving me a sense of security and sure it's giving me a regular paycheck and sure it's um you know, giving me some really interesting things to work on, but there was just this something more that, you know, I'm looking for. seems like sometimes the paycheck and the busyness, it keeps mm. you so busy that you don't, and so happy maybe, or busy yeah. buying shit and making yeah. money that even raises can be dangerous because they keep you from not asking those questions. Mm. But once you start asking those questions, you're just kind of fucked. Like a lot of times... Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things, Ben, you know, in 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 Melbourne or in Victoria, which is the state I live in, we've had some of the most strictest COVID-related lockdowns in the world. Um, and what's that what that has actually given me is more time at home and and more time to think. Um, instead of just being on the, you know, commuting to work, working my backside off commuting home and having really nothing left in the tank for my family at the end of the day. And, and that that's, you know, Ben, if I really am honest, that's, that's kind of, that is really the, um, I, I guess at the point that I decided I've got to make some change because I just realized that there was really no energy left for my family at the end of each day. I was putting in 150% at work um navigating a lot of different um challenges and then i would get home and kind of just fall onto the couch and sometimes i'd have to say to my kids listen guys just don't ask me any questions tonight i I just can't answer them um i couldn't stand to hear my own name and um so i guess it just became more and more apparent that i was going to need to make some changes and the the covid related lockdowns they they kind of gave me a little bit of a mini insight into 
some changes I could make, like not spending two hours a day commuting, for example, having energy at the end of the day to spend um, with my family. So, so there was certainly a silver lining. Yeah. So I guess what I want to ask though, Steve, is like, but you, I'm trying to figure out what makes you unique, at least in the conversations I've mm. had, which is the reason why I wanted you on this podcast video mm. thing is, mm. okay, so you get home, you, you have no energy for the kids. Who cares? I mean, what's the big deal? Did you just feel guilty? And I want to ask one more question and then have you answer it. Mm. Like a lot of people have been spending more time at home because of COVID mm. and it's driving them crazy. Like, uh, yeah. you know, the kids and the dynamics is too much and it's it wears you out. It's hard work. Like no one's going to say it's easy being at home with any kids or spouse or partners or whatever the hell, family, friends, you name it. Uh, and I know you had some of those feelings too, mm. where it was like, now you're around these people that are driving you crazy. <laughs> so wait, yep. what, what, where do you get the connection of like, and therefore I either want to, or should be home more with it? Because what I realized, Ben, is that how, how much I actually enjoyed the, the mini moments rather than the big events in family life. So I was around for the little things like getting ready for school in the morning, like trying to get dinner ready at night, like all those kind of family rituals that play out in, you know, probably every household every day. Um, and I'd missed out on a lot of those. And I actually found that I really enjoyed it. Like there, there were sure there was, there was periods of adjustment where I had to get used to being interrupted on, you know, like zoom meetings and kids would just wander in because, dad's home and you know that means dad's available for for you know whatever um but i really just enjoyed just being around my family and i enjoyed being there for the big moments and the little moments and and for me um i've, I've started to realize that it's actually quantity of time not necessarily quality of time with family and I want the quantity, you know, I, I want to be there for the, the big things and the little things in their lives. And I think having five teenagers is really, is really freaking interesting. Like there, I've got two teenagers that are transitioning, you know, into employment, into college. Um, I've got another two teenagers that are sort of entering their final years of high school. This is a really fascinating period in their lives. And um, I want to be, I want to be up close to that and, um, and, um, and share some of those experiences, not in a, not in an, in your face, you know, um, over their shoulder kind of way, but just be alongside them and, um, and enjoy, really enjoy uh, being a dad. I love that. Have you thought about why, um, like, I mean, you're saying these things and I'm, I'm just listening and I, I find myself believing the same thing, actually, uh, qu quantity over quality. Um, mm. And I also find it fascinating. But have you have you given any thought? I mean, you must have peers or colleagues who I mean, the standard narrative I was around is dads being around other dads and then kind of mm -hmm. bitching about their teenagers and saying, oh, they just suck. Uh or talking about your spouse or partner in a way where it's just like, mm. oh, you know, 
that bitch is just nagging me all the time. But you're kind mm. of, you have this opposite perspective. Do you think you have a better spouse or better kids than everyone else? Or do you think there's a way that you see it that's different? No, I don't, I don't think that I have kids or a spouse that are, that are better than everybody else's. That's, that is for certain. Um, it's a good question. I, I think I'll tell you a little story. So when, when um, Olivia and I first, um, first got together, the kids were really little and it was tough bringing together you know, this blended family of five, there were moments where we would just tear our hair out. <laughs> and in fact, we broke up three times. <laughs> you know, like it, the, it just felt impossible. Yeah. Um, and um, I remember Liv used to say to me, you know, Steve, some days you just have to give yourself over to it. And what that meant was that rather than trying to do lots of different things like, I don't know, work around the house, tidy up the house, uh, see friends, like work um, and be a dad to this blended family of five. Um, it was about being more single-minded. And, and by her saying, Steve, sometimes you just have to give yourself over to it meant just kind of accepting the chaos and accepting the noise and accepting the disagreements um, and being completely okay with it and not trying to change it. Um, mm. And, um, you know, that for me, that was a, that was a pivotal moment, I guess, in, in my parenting because I just thought it was terrific advice. Just sometimes you just need to give yourself over to it and accept it for what it is. And we also learned to be outstanding forgivers in this household. So, um, you know, when you've got a blended family and stepkids, things just, things don't go to plan, particularly when they're little. Um, and that can be frustrating when you're not the, I guess, biological parent. Um, but we learned forgiveness. Every day we would wake up, clean slate, and um, and we would tackle the day. So, you know, I do think having a blended family gave me a different perspective to perhaps others that, that don't. Um, um, but I'm also a big believer that you, with, you know, I can see with my family that, that I, get, I get a huge amount out of it, but I also put in a, a huge amount as well. And I think it's that classic case of you get out what you put in and you've really got to put in. Yeah. I know for me, and this is a little bit of the history of our channel, um, mm. you know, with even the name fight for together, I started to believe at one point that relationships are probably the tallest or highest order, or at least deepest curriculum that I have access to, to grow as a human, as a person. And that everything else, whether it's education or work or money or titles was meant to serve relationships, not the other way around. Yeah. So instead of saying like, oh, I have a family so that I could get a nice job. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, oh, I have a job so that I can be with my family. And it, it yep. doesn't even need to be family. It could be friendships or, you know, people can define family in various ways. I'm fine with that mm. now. But mm. But that at the end of the day, spending time with even a child can be one of the greatest activities on the planet. Even if they're a one-year-old or two-year-old, 
even if they can't advance your career. And there's actually not, no greater potential, human potential, than the learning that could occur in that way. And I see that you're kind of flipping that script a little bit in a way that reminds me of, that's why we called it Fight for Together is. Mm. Um, uh, absolutely, Ben. And I think um, one of the things that's occurred to me, well, one of the things that I've experienced actually going through this transition um, of my own is that when I've told other dads in particular of, of my decision to, you know, leave my job um, in particular, like it has prompted some really deep conversations with people that I just did not expect to have them with who, and it's kind of like I gave them permission <laughs> to share some, some true feelings about how they are struggling with um, getting that balance right between work and, and family and how they feel this sense of shame that their um, kids just do not see enough of them. Um, and yet they don't feel like they can make change. And I would say, you know, of the, of the dozens of people that I um, had to speak to, to let them know that I was moving on, um, I, I really reckon it was 80% of, of men that I spoke with um, shared some of those feelings um, with me. And so it's something that is definitely bubbling away below the surface for, for a lot of, um, for a lot of people. Um, but actually making the change can be really difficult for a lot of reasons. You know, I'm, 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 you know, to a certain extent, Ben, I'm fortunate. Like, you know, I've had some, I've had some, I've run my own businesses and I've had some good success in those businesses. So I am in a position where I can make this call to, uh, you know, either take some time off or do something completely different or get paid a whole lot less. I appreciate not everybody uh, is in that position for, for, for one way or another. And I guess that's why it's taken me until I'm nearly 44 to, to make this change. Well, that's what I want to talk about because I do think it is easy and I, it's hard to talk about these topics because some people are going to say, well, it's easy for you to say because you can quit. Mm -hmm. But yep. also in talking to you for a year now, I know that it's not that easy even for people who are at the top tiers of the financial world, mm. there's the same fears are going through their head. And there's a reason why you almost didn't do it. Mm. And there's some reasons why it took you 12 months, mm. maybe some reasons why it almost wouldn't have happened at all. Mm. And so, so even to get into the story of how it did happen, I want you to tell the story of, uh, so I triggered you, uh, what, on our last call a month ago? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You want to tell yep. that story? Yeah, yeah. So we were chatting, and um, um, I was probably, um, you know, explaining the same conundrum to you for the fiftieth time. <laughs> anyway, we were we were talking about something else, and um, you said something. Along, I forget the exact gist, but it was something along the lines of, you know, and um, in, and you're passionate about banking, and I was like, whoa, hang on, no, I'm not. I'm 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 actually just I'm not passionate about banking and I probably don't want to be seen that way um, because there's a lot more to me than my job and certainly a lot more to me than banking so it was funny it was just that comment that it kind of got to me and I thought you know what there's a whole stack of other stuff that I'm super interested in and um, although banking has been um, 
a part of my story and a really important part of my story. It's, it's not something that I'm super passionate about. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of triggered me and I was like, all right, it, it's time to, time to make some change. I love that. And I, you know, it just brings up a question to me. Uh, if someone is not passionate about their, let's just say their job, mm. but yet they're spending, I don't know what 40 hours a week is relative to their, how many hours are in a week, let's just say a third of their waking time mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. their job. So in other words, they're spending a third of their waking hours. Well, sorry, not a third of their waking hours, half of their waking hours, a third of their hours of life at this place doing this mm-hmm. thing and arguably probably more than a third of their energy. You know, they're probably spending 80% of their energy. Cause like you said, these are the prime hours of the day you mm-hmm. come home feeling tapped out. So let's yep. just say you're spending a third of your waking life, um, 80% of the energy that's allotted to you on this planet, which is limited mm-hmm. on something that you're not passionate about. The question mm-hmm. I would ask is how necessary is that? I mean, cause one thing, if, if you don't do it, you're going to die. Like that's one thing, right? Someone's holding the gun to your head and saying, you go to work or I'm going to kill you motherfucker. Like you're like, okay, I'll go to work. Yeah. But at what point is it, you know, optional? Well, I don't look, it's a good question. I, I don't know at what point it's optional, Ben. Like I, I think that for me, it became optional when I realized that that there was just another way that I think I can make work for, for my family. So it was at that point that it came. Which is optional. what? Well, I, I, like I said earlier, I think the, the time with um, the time at home during COVID was, it was a huge um, influencer from that perspective, because I thought, hang on, I don't need to go to the office every day. I can be effective um, without traveling down into the city every single day. Um, so that was, a, that was one, that was one element of it. Um, but I've always said to, it's funny, you know, like I've always said that money certainly doesn't make you happy. Um, but it's, but it does give you options. And so that has been one of the, I think, principles that I've kind of, have adopted perhaps, um, maybe subconsciously. Um, so, you know, I don't know, Ben. I don't know when it became. Well, as I said, it became an option when I realised there was a different way. It also became an option when I didn't want to give up some of those experiences that I'd had during lockdown. So, if I really think about it, it was when work started to say, "All right, team. You know the the um, the cases are going down." Um, it's becoming safer and safer to reopen our offices. So we want you to start coming back. And I was like, mm, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's, <laughs> uh, I, I just don't think that's for me. And there's also an element of, you know what? We've been told to lock down here. We've been told to wear masks. We've been told that we're going to be fined if we're outside with more than, you know, two people or whatever it is. And, I was just kind of a bit sick of being told what to do as well. So when that email or whatever it was came out um, suggesting that we start coming back, 
my I did have quite a strong reaction to it, I have to say. Um, and I think part of it was was being told what to do fatigue. And there was also another part of it that was like, well, hang on, I've been pretty effective, I reckon, over these last 10 months or whatever it's been since I've been in an office. And I, and I just don't feel the need to, to rush back. Yeah. So, so then that's when I started to realise, hang on, I've got options here and I can either just keep being sort of told what to do or I can make some of my own decisions. I love that. And I chose the latter. Now, I want to go back to what you just said about um, money giving you options. Yep. And I want to point out a few things here. One is mm-hmm. you don't have options lined up for how you're going to make money now. Mm-hmm. When you quit your job, and I want you to tell the story. So you decide you're going to quit, and mm-hmm. then you schedule a conversation with your boss. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? Look, it was a really good conversation, and it's funny, you know, um, Ben, you never, like, again, something I read in your book was never quit on a bad day. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to avoid that. So I actually rang my boss. I had some time off over the Christmas period and I called my boss on the day before I was uh, due back in the office. And I said, look, I've really been, I've had a lot of time off and that's given me time to really think about what's important to me and, um, and um you know, one of the conclusions that I've come to is that it's 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 time to um, move on. So we had a really good um, we had a really good conversation, and we agreed that um, you know I'd give one month of of notice time, which means that I have to work for four weeks, um, which was probably amongst the toughest four weeks actually, uh, Ben. Like it was a really really hard four weeks, and not because I knew I was leaving at the end of it. But anyway, that conversation um, that conversation went well. She was really surprised, um, and and I understand that because um, it it, it kind of came out of the blue um, for her. Um, and so that was the yeah that's that was the that was the conversation. Now did didn't they ask like what do you have going on next or something like that? Oh, sorry, or- yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. And so that's the first question that everybody asked actually was, okay, so where are you off to? (laughs) Thinking that you have a better deal at another bank, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, And so uh, they would almost, I'd almost be looked at with incredulous looks of what, nowhere. And um, um, yeah, that was a really funny experience actually, because um, yeah, everybody just assumed that there was another job, um, you know, to go to. Cause you really, you don't have another job. I mean, you didn't well, have something else you were going to do. I mean, well, this so could change in the last No, exactly. Week, there was no change. Uh, sorry. There was nothing lined up at all. Um, that's, oh. that has since changed a little. Okay. But, um, and, but no, there wasn't, there was nothing. In fact, I was happy to do anything. Like I'd, I, I thought to myself, I'll be, I'll be a, you know, I'll either just take some time off altogether because um, I can. And I also wanted to make sure that there was, um, I wanted to put space between my current job and whatever came next as well. I didn't want to sort of fall into, I didn't want to panic and just jump at the the first thing that came along. Um, so I was really mindful of being being disciplined around that. But then it's it's funny, Ben, because as people started to learn that I had nothing to go to, 
the phone starts ringing and um, um, different opportunities sort of present themselves. Some, some were good, some, you know, I dismissed um, immediately. A lot of, um, spoke to quite a few people about starting, you know, doing another startup, which, which I've got a background in. Um, and, um, you know, so it's funny. So the, no, there was nothing to go to, but as soon as sort of word was out that um, I was looking for something different, the phone starts to the phone started to ring, which was pretty incredible, really. And not something you expected, right? I didn't expect that at all. No, I didn't expect that. Um, all I knew was that, um, and in fact, you and I had spoken about it because uh, you know one of my what ifs was well, what if I, I I run out of money. And you said to me, well, look, you seem like a pretty, you know, enterprising kind of guy that could probably pick up a job in, in five minutes. And, um, and I think, you know, that gave me a lot of reassurance actually, Ben. And I've also got no, um, you know, I'll, I'll do anything. You know, like I've got no sort of, um, oh, what's the right word? Um, you know, I'll, I'll work in a service station if I have to. I'll work in a yeah. service. Like, I don't, I don't care about that stuff. Like, oh, I fucking love that. I mean, my dad taught me, like, the one of his lessons in life to me was, you know, son, um, you know, make sure you're versatile and do anything, but, but do it to the very best of your ability. And I, I, I've applied that in lots of different environments. I, I honestly don't care if I'm sweeping floors or driving a bus or, or, or running a large team in a bank, you know, I'll do it to the best of my ability and um, go above and beyond. See, I think with that attitude, and if you're actually competent enough to sweep a floor well, mm. I feel like that gives you so much more freedom to mm. be able to do whatever I want. And I'll tell you about the mindset. Maybe I've told you this story in terms of what's helped me take mm. what feels like risks. Because mm. I quit my first job when I was uh, 21 or 22. It was the last job I had actually where I had a boss because they told mm. me I couldn't take three months off. And we were yep. dedicated to bike across the country, yep. my wife and I. But I was like a good server. Like I had become a trainer, which meant I got an extra 25 cents an hour on top of my minimum <laughs> wage, on top of my $5 an hour. So I, mm. But I was about ready to cancel this plan because my boss said I couldn't take three months off. And I made the split second decision. I quit. If you want to hire me when I get back, you can. But I know yep. I knew by that point I could find a job where we wouldn't starve. And mm. we were on welfare at the time, uh, eating government peanut butter. Yeah. And uh, one thing led to another. But numerous times I've had in the back of my head, there's a Burger King about two blocks down uh, my street. I could mm. get a job there. I'm like 90% mm. sure. And yep. if I could get a job there, I could live. Yep. I wouldn't have, you know, I might have to cut back on my cigars. I'd have to start GoFundMe so people could help me fund my cigars. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I might not be able to travel to Hawaii, but mm -hmm. I, I've been perfectly happy on minimum wage. And yep. just that knowledge has given me more ability to start a YouTube channel, to hike the Appalachian Trail, to take these risks, knowing that the worst case scenario is I'm working a job I don't like, but why not at least take the shot that's going to give me living a life that I want, knowing that I have something to fall back on instead of never yeah. having taken that shot and then always wondering? Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, absolutely, Ben. And I think, um, 
I think every job can teach you something. In fact, every job can probably teach you a lot of things. I remember, you know, the, I remember working in a factory when I was 16 or 17 years old. Um, it was probably what, what I would call the worst job I've ever had. It was certainly the hardest job I've ever had, but it's the job that probably taught me the most as well. And I was working on a production line. Um, it, it taught me about working with people from diverse backgrounds. It taught me about some of the real challenges that face, um, you know, new migrants. It, it taught me about um, the importance of, so I certainly learned a lot about people, but it also taught me about a lot of business stuff, like being efficient, like rostering, like, so, you know, I think every vocation, it doesn't matter what it is, can really teach you a huge amount. And it's kind of the learning opportunities that I look for. And what I know about you, Steve, just from having talked to you on the phone and knowing that you're the type of guy that's willing to pay a hundred bucks to get advice for someone once a month mm. is that if you did end up sweeping a gas station floor, I don't think you would be there for long because you have a value that's recognized by society and your peers are all telling you you're good at what you do. People are contacting you. So it's like, I mean, I think even just as we're making these decisions about taking risk, I, mm. the reason why I mentioned this is it's so easy to get trapped by this completely unrealistic worst case scenario. Mm. Um, mm. And to let that feeling, um, it's almost like this lizard brain paralysis, uh, take over when we're making decisions but yeah. it's like yeah. i mean can you imagine like i'm sure you'd kick ass at sweeping floors and i don't have a problem with that you know mm. at all like i'm all for it if someone wants to do that like go for it but mm. i also don't have a doubt that before long you'd be the fucking manager of the gas station and then you'd own the gas station <laughs> just because i've seen how you operate in the past yeah yeah i mean look maybe um thank you for the you know thank you for the um compliment um. Yeah. Look, maybe Ben. I, I and I, like I said earlier, though, like for me, the the way that I'm trying to look at life, because I'm trying to change the things that I value from a success perspective, and value changes, as, as you know, they don't occur overnight. You know, it's a it's a bit of a journey, so to speak. Um, and one of the um one of the things that I'm really interested in learning is how to live. And I don't want to sound kind of um, ignorant or, or out of touch, but, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing to learn what it's like to live on less money um, for a period in time. I think it builds empathy for, you know, for the, for the, with others that, that haven't had that choice. And I think it's, there's some great lessons for, for kids in that, as well like we don't have we certainly don't have any you know um um a particularly extravagant um lifestyle um and i'm trying to be sort of careful what i say because i don't want to appear to be insensitive either but i just think there's there's you know i, I consider myself privileged yeah um but i would also i'd also like to walk in other's shoes for a while too and 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 try and live on a lot less money and just see what it's like because i've never really had to think about that well i know what you mean and i love that and i know it is a tricky dilemma because so many people in our culture want more money 
yeah. that when you're in the top whatever percent, it's really, it feels, um, I don't know, it almost feels pretentious to walk away from something that everyone else wants because they think it's going to solve the solutions to their problems. And it might yeah. solve some of them. But I think mm. you and I both know, having made enough money that you have what a lot of people consider excess wealth, that there mm. it creates its own other set of problems too. And mm. um, that's one thing, you know, I know you said um, a, a few minutes back that money uh, solves, it gives you options. Yeah. My experience was that, yeah, it does, but it mm. also created a whole new set of limitations that I wasn't aware of. Yep. And the more money I got, the more insurance I bought to try and protect yep. the money that I had, the more mm. I stressed about losing it, the mm. more pressure I felt, um, the, the more I felt like in a way I had options. Like, of course, no one's holding a gun to your head saying mm. you can't do it X, Y, and Z, but it's kind of weird when you lose, when you have a lot of money or any amount for that matter, and then you lose it and go backwards in status now it feels like failure mm. instead of like choice. Like if you're making six figures and then of course, if I go back and get a kick-ass uh, five figure job, everyone's like, whoa, like what happened? Like you need yeah. a reason. Yeah. For, like, it's not like you just downgraded your finances. It feels like you downgraded your, your character or something. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe I just wanted to sweep the fucking gas yeah. station floor. That's not, no one, like people are going to be like, you're crazy. Like, and people will literally call you crazy. I mean, mm -hmm. and I'm familiar with this because of this, like, you know, this through hiking thing we did, people look at us when you have air conditioning and you have um, video games and Wi-Fi, And when you walk away from it, a lot of people say you're crazy. That's their mm -hmm. only way to make sense of you leaving something that everyone wants. Mm. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, look, absolutely, Ben. And I, and I think, and I've wanted those things in the past. That was, that's the other thing. Like, you know, when I was, my first job, when I was 21 or whatever it was, was minimum wage. No, sorry, earlier, 18, minimum wage. Um, and, uh, and then my next job, I think I was getting paid like 30,000 a year or something like that. And I remember when I was being, being paid 30,000 a year thinking, oh, if only I could earn, 80 grand a year. Uh, that'd be good. I reckon I'd be yeah. happy at 80,000 a year. And then, you know, a couple of years down the track, I'm at 80,000 a year. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe look, a hundred grand a year would be, look, that, that would be ideal because I'd have X to buy a house and I'd have X to go on holidays. And so then I uh, get to a hundred grand a year and then it's, well, okay, well, what would 150 feel like? And so you just kind of get on this yeah. wagon of yeah. continually yeah. increasing yeah. and, and guess what? Your, your lifestyle keeps up with that salary. So suddenly you're going on a holiday overseas every year and you're getting that nicer house that requires the higher repayments. And you've got your kids into a nice school and, and, and you're right. So it, it does, there is a sense of entrapment around that. And yeah. the last few pay rises that I got, I very consciously did not adapt my lifestyle to them. That was a deliberate um, choice because I had learned in my 30s that it didn't really matter what the the pay rise was your yeah. life would catch catch up very quickly and um, so I very deliberately made that choice of um, pausing buying houses and pausing buying flash cars and all that sort of stuff like yeah my 
you know, you know, I remember once, um, um, well, buying my first BMW, for example, um, and felt like that was a real symbol of um, yeah success. <laughs> you know, ten years ago or whatever it was, and um, you know, I look back now and think it was a stage of life, but it certainly wasn't a measure of success. You know, no regrets. Yeah. Glad I didn't have nothing against people that buy BMWs at all. Um, and, uh, but I've just realized too, that, um, it just, it does create its own pressure as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a phrase that's called, um, I think it's called hedonic hedonic adaptation, which mm. basically says if you eat steak every night, it doesn't, it's not awesome anymore. Like you get used to anything. Like if you, if you yeah. drive, if you get 10 Lamborghinis pretty soon, everything that you think is going to blow your mind is going to feel normal if, once you get used to it. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this story. I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't. It's one of my favorite stories actually that's going into my new book about money. But I sat in this, it, it haunts me, this story. Um, I sat in this group of um, like millionaires. We were in this little business club thing uh, in Canada actually on this retreat. And we did this exercise where we all charted out our, um, like all of the jobs we had ever had in our life with the mm. negative 10 to positive 10, just like perspective on how um, awesome it was basically. And mm. these guys to be in the club, you had to have a, you had to be making more than a million dollars a year in whatever business. And they're all entrepreneurs. Yep. Anyways, I sat in this, I led this discussion of six or seven guys that were peers of mine. And every single one of those dudes said that the high point of their career, there was like 18 years old, 17 years old, and they like got this job delivering pizza and they were able to get free pizza and they mm. were able to smoke pot and they were able to drive around listening to rock and roll, making shit money. Mm. And they all said that that job was the highlight of their life. Whatever their yeah. like first job was, they all ranked that like an eight or nine. And then now they're like, you know, managing hundreds of employees, making a million, hundred million, $10 million, whatever. And it's all like, they all talk back about their 18 year old days as if it was the glory days. Yeah. Yeah. The good old days. And that, <laughs> that made me realize like, holy shit. Cause these were the guys like I wanted to be like, and they were mm. making probably more money than me a lot, most of them at the time. And I was like, they're all looking back at their job delivering pizza when they got free pizza, a free $8 yeah. pizza. Yeah. And that feeling, you can't get it back with more BMWs. Yeah. Cause there's a, there's a simplicity about that, isn't there? And I like, I'd agree. Like you, you prompted me to reflect <laughs> on what my favorite job was. Doesn't that suck though? <laughs> my favorite job was when I was 19. <laughs> oh man. And the, uh, and it's a, it's a simpler, it is a simpler existence. And I think um, being grateful for the free pizza, uh, yeah. there's, some, there's something in that, isn't there? I love that. I, and, I do too. And it's, it's, but it's so hard to explain to people when they yeah. think that the next raise or whatever money you're making would mm. really make them happy. Um, I, at least I found that frustration and um and yeah, what that pressure that comes along with that, mm. I just want there to be a discussion around that because yes, there are more options. Absolutely. I can 
technically I can go to any country I want and have almost any vacation I want and buy mm. not any car, but most cars that I would want. I have mm. that opportunity, but the pressure that comes along with that, I, it's not like you're handed, you know, they say with these NBA basketball players in America that, you know, they have this fairly low financial IQ usually when they're handed these millions of dollar contracts and it ends up being this real ball and chain because they don't know how to handle the, not just handle the money from a financial perspective, but really from an emotional perspective. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a big ask, isn't it? When you're, when you're relatively young and you're suddenly being handed tens of millions of dollars, uh, I can, I can appreciate that. And I think, um, yeah, look, I can, I can, and I can see that. Although the the scale is is different, I can certainly see that how that happens in the professional environment as well. And suddenly you've just got more money to spend on pizza, more money to spend on beer. The the beer you 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 sort of uh, transition from the run of the mill everyday beer to the more uh, you know micro brewed, yeah, <laughs> fancy beer. Um, but I think there's a there's a joy that comes with. Um, like I remember back when I was sort of 19 to 23, I had four years in a particular job. It was the best job I've had. Um, and probably amongst the, it's, and, and I think what it lines up to is probably the, some of the best moments in life at that age as well, where you're just kind of starting out and you're just learning a little bit about who you are. You might've just moved out of home. Like this, it's an incredibly exciting period. So um yeah, I mean, I look back too. I, I can fully appreciate that uh, that uh, your fellow um, club members there would look back and. Well, you're taking and risks, and you're you know you're kind of throwing caution to the wind, and you're leaving yeah. safety behind your parents, and you know a lot of with the book that we wrote, the two thousand miles together, a mm. lot of the whole the whole glory of through hiking is trying to recreate that moment when you know, these simple caveman moments of, oh, wow, we have electricity. Oh, wow, we have pizza. You know, yeah. it's, it's really like, I mean, we, I constructed my entire life for six months to be able to celebrate those moments, but it wasn't easy because we had, yeah. the bottom line is with my phone, I can get pizza delivered from probably 20 different places in the next 10 minutes because cost mm. isn't a factor. So the options, it's weird. You know, they come with a benefit. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They come with a cost also yep yep and i think how quickly you realize you can live without them do you know what i mean so yeah you know one of the things that um oh, one of the things that really struck me when in in your book was when you were talking about and i made some notes i'm just looking for the note but i can't um i just can't find it in the moment that i um need it but you were surprised at how quickly the things that even just um you know brushing your teeth on a daily basis you became surprised that when there was when there was genuine hardship, how quickly those, um, how quickly those rituals just didn't matter. Yeah, and I don't skip brushing my teeth either. Like <laughs> you know, at home, that's a that's a given. Um, yeah. But but I want to talk about um, so this kind of adventure and excitement that yeah. someone has when they're eighteen, getting mm. their first car delivering pizza mm. for the first time. Um, I feel like that becomes harder to keep in some ways, the older we get, mm. but I also believe it becomes more and more valuable. And mm. I feel like you, the reason why I wanted to have you on the show was you quitting your job 
and all these, your peers and your bosses are all kind of like, what the hell? It kind of is to me, it shows a move towards that type of adventure and that type of courage and really that type of bravery. And this to me was evidenced by the fact that, and you told me, I mean, you quit, you've had your job, you know, you quit it like what, four days ago was your last day, three days ago. Last day, yeah. And and we talked, was your last day. And we talked like about a week ago. And even a mm. week ago, you told me that your brain was being flooded with like creativity mm. and ideas and just this new way of seeing the world. Yep, yep, absolutely. Can you, can you talk about that for a minute? Because because to me, that is like, that's what makes this courage is courage. Mm. And I think some people might say, oh, well, he has six figures and a house, whatever. That's not courage. And I'm like, fuck you. That like courage for any person. And you, you can't know what is courageous for someone else. You can only know what it is for yourself. But anytime someone leaves home or leaves their kind of home base and secure way of thinking or living into this more unknown view that the universe will provide and care yep. for you and open up new opportunities. I think mm. I get excited by that. And that's why I was excited by your story. So tell mm. me what you felt since, since making this decision, even in the last week or so. Yeah. Oh, great question. So look, it's kind of like you, I've created space for things to come in. So, and it's this, and, that, and that's kind of this really, oh, what's the, it's this, um, it's quite a, I guess, ambiguous or maybe esoteric concept. But anyway, I just feel like that your energy resource, like I was talking about earlier, is finite. And I think your um, your creativity resource is similar as well. Or your headspace is a, is just, it's a resource. Like your, your um, the, the mind is a resource, I think, and you can only demand so much from it every day. And I found that when I was in my job, it required 120% of, of, of what was going on. So, you know, the thought of doing anything creative outside of work or anything for my, um, anything for myself, I guess, in, in a sense was, uh, was just not possible. I just did not have the energy or the headspace to do it. But what I've realized now that I've, um, now that I've left is that, that creativity, that motivation to do different things um, is to is to to use your word is flooding back much much quicker actually than I than I thought it would. I, I thought I would need you know like two months off. Record. What? Okay. All right. I think we're back on recording. Yeah. Uh, you were saying it's taken. You thought it was going to take you months to recover. Mm. I thought it was going to take months to recover. It took hours. <laughs> it's kind of like as soon as I reckon there was a couple of key moments first key moment making a decision like just making a decision um to and it was a momentous decision like I said to you the other day Ben I, I was at war with myself on this decision I felt like this was one of the biggest decisions of my life um, and then so that decision consumed all of my headspace and a lot of my energy reserves. Um, and then, but then making that decision, there was a certain relief that, that came with that, a, a lightening of the load, that at least a decision was made. 
And then the next port of call was, okay, need to have a conversation with my boss, need to let her know that um, I want to I want to leave. Um, and so then that was the next big milestone to cross in this, in this kind of, I guess, transition. Were you nervous? Oh, super nervous. Yeah, I was really, really nervous. And I knew that she would be shocked. I knew that she'd be disappointed. Um, and I was really, really hoping that she wouldn't try and talk me into staying. Um, but fortunately she could see that I'd really, she said to me afterwards that I could really see that this was important to you and, and you'd made up your mind. And, you know, I didn't want to make a, a difficult conversation even more difficult um, for you. So I really respected, wow. I really respected that. That's great. Um, and um, um, I mean, I, I got to interrupt real quick because I, I think one of the biggest things you can do to fuck with people's lives when they're on the verge of making a decision like that is to mm. offer them a raise and yeah. offer them 25%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. When I was a boss, I, it's the fuck man. I, and you, people will give up their entire next five years for another 10%, 25%. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference to me and my bottom line. Cause I'm making so much money off them. It doesn't yeah. matter, but people can't say no to more money. Oh, that's really nice yeah. that she didn't do that. No. And, um, um, and so that was a big milestone. And then that's when I really felt like, okay, the, the load has been lightened here and I can start to invite other thoughts in. Um, but then I had to hang around for four weeks, Ben. That was the toughest four <laughs> weeks of my job because I didn't want to check out, um, you know, like a lot of people do when they resign, you know, they kind of check out, maybe run down some sick leave. Like I didn't want to do that. I always, I, I was really committed to leaving the organization that had given me a lot. I, you know, I wanted to see it out, um, see it out um, well. Um, but it was a four weeks of goodbyes and four weeks of repeating the st my story over and over and over again. Um, wow. And that was really, really taxing. So I, I went from, yep, pretty high energy, uh, feeling light, um, starting to welcome back the thoughts to probably a dive back into a grind because I'm retelling a story, I'm, I'm saying goodbyes and goodbyes are never, you know, are never easy. Um, and so I felt like I was, um, uh, you know, um, what's the right word? Losing, losing that kind of newfound creativity. But then as we got closer to the end of that four weeks, um, I could feel it starting to, I could feel it starting to come back. And of course, you know, people were so lovely and gave me lots of really lovely sort of feedback and comments and, you know, telling me that I'd be missed and, um, all of these sorts of things. It was really, really beautiful. Um, but it was kind of like the more I heard it, the more I was sort of thinking, oh, shit, have I really actually, have I made the right decision here? Um, and I started to second guess myself during that um, notice period, um, right up until the day I left. And then now that it's been 48 hours or 72 hours since I walked out for the last time, um, you know, I can feel it. I can feel it flooding back. Yeah. You can feel what flooding back? The, 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 oh, the creativity. creativity. Okay. The creativity and the, the good energy. And this is, this is what's a son of a bitch to me about, um, about encouraging people to do this on the upfront side 
is I think it's impossible to know what's possible mm. until you actually cross the line. Yeah. Until you, because people will say, well, I'm operating at my full capacity right now. Mm. Um, I'm working my job and I'm not getting many ideas or I'm getting some, but it's actually until you end it and your brain gets that, you know, I feel like we almost have to shut down massive parts of ourselves just to show up to whatever grind we're in. And it could be a grind of relationships. It could be a grind of work or income or working yep. for a boss or education school, whatever. Yep. But it consumes, I think, more than more than I've ever realized. And once once I cut bait and I let go and walk away, it's only when the thing is in the rearview mirror that that I realized what I was really capable of. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Ben, like, could you have was... could you have told a past version of yourself? <clears throat> Yeah. Like, hey, this is worth it because you'll get A, B, C, D, E, and F idea or feeling. I mean, no way. I don't think so. Like, I think um, for me, I've been surprised at, at the feelings and the energy and the creativity that's come up. Like, super surprised, actually. I, I, I just didn't predict that happening. Um, I mean, I was hoping it would, but I thought it would take months. But it's kind of like my my body is 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 ready now. I think, um, but I think leaving also, Ben, it's a good reminder. So I, it's funny, you know, like I used to say to people, we should have farewell speeches for people every year, even if they're not going. Because people say really nice things when you're leaving and you sort of realise the impact that you have. And so, you know, I used to say to people, let's we should have appreciation days where people can actually hear because it's rare to get feedback like that. It's really rare to get that feedback. And I think if people would hear the impact that they have, um, both on the work, on the people that they work with um, more regularly, then I think actually we would find that more people are more engaged and get are more satisfied in their jobs. Unfortunately, we wait until they're out the door that we actually tell them the value they bring and the regard that they're held in. And so suddenly something, a job that for some people might feel like this kind of mindless or difficult slog where they're questioning their impact and questioning their purpose. Yeah. Um, actually, some of those answers are right there, but yeah, you don't share. Well, it's weird. I think sometimes it takes a deadline to create a sense of urgency for any type of, whether it's relational or either uh, energy surge. And I know for, for a lot of us, we have these jobs that that really, they don't have an end date. And, yeah. you know, it's, and it's assumed that it, if it's successful, it might go on forever. And it, yeah. cr it creates this sense of staleness that mm. I think if people even had these regular check-in time periods with themselves where they said, after six months, I'm going to assess myself or let my peers do it or assess it with my family goals or, you yeah. know, because even what was done to you was kind of imposed by the government and COVID and this kind of external force saying mm. like breaking up the monotony. Mm. Mm. So I just have a high value for really anything that can break up the monotony and force us to reassess. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think creating the time to do that, though, Ben, is something that a lot of 
people that I certainly know struggle with. In fact, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't struggle with that. I, um, I didn't actually like taking holidays, for example. I didn't enjoy taking breaks from work. Yeah. I didn't, I just didn't enjoy taking breaks from work. And, wow. uh, um, cause I guess I was always, uh, um, having run a few small businesses, I was always make hay while the, you know, sun is shining Yeah, uh, type of guy, but you know, the sun has been shining a lot. And so there's been yeah. a lot of yes. uh, there, there, there wasn't a, a, a winter, so to speak. So it just ended up working all the time. And, and I think it was, I took four weeks off. I took a four week break over summer, uh, summer, over Christmas. Uh, oh yeah, summer um, in Australia. Um, I took a four week break over Christmas and um, um, was shocked. You know, like I got stuck into all sorts of projects once I'd sort of created space for it and, and physical projects like this workshop, for example, I built this workshop over Christmas because I just wanted to do something with my hands using tools that would give me an outcome, a, a visible outcome at the end. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing. So working in a corporate job, for example, you don't always see outcomes. Yeah. You know, some of the things you work on can take years and years and years and you get like these mini progress points along the way. Um, but I, and I was desperate to see an outcome. I was desperate to see something built that I could I, say job job done. I had that same thing happen when I was uh, making a lot of money making videos back in the day, and mm. I quit it to chop a tree down. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I just need to see that tree. <laughs> like all these my bank account, all these numbers and commas and yeah. zeros all moving all the time. But I was like, I want to see that tree down. And I mm. want to see it in firewood and I'm going to do it with my hands. Yeah. And it was just the best feeling. I mean, I could have hired someone to do it in two and a half seconds, but I was like, no, I want to do it. Cause I couldn't, yeah. I was working my ass off and stressing out, but I didn't see any change happening in the world mm. with this other thing. I can relate to that. Um, I want to say, what, what was I going to say? Uh, shoot, shoot, shoot. Uh, oh, well, um, Two other, I, I kind of got to end here because I was only planning on talking to you for an hour, but this is just like too much fun. Um, one is you you told your kids mm. uh, this news. Mm. How did they yep. respond? They cheered. They Why? Cheered. If you if dad's losing his money, yeah, and because what <sighs> what did they see? Were you expecting that? I wasn't expecting a cheer, but it was a. It was, it, they were they were extremely excited. It was it was the it was a a response I just did not expect for one minute. And um, why did they do that? Because I think they saw they they saw the the effect that doing something that I wasn't particularly feeling fulfilled by. They saw the effect that that was having on me as a person, and I'm sure they they wore some of that as well, you know, in terms of my mood at home and and different things. So I think they saw this as a big circuit breaker for for the whole family. Like they they got it, and um, you know, these are the same kids that encouraged me to start my last business as well when they were when they were much younger. Like I, they've got this. Um, I don't know this um, this insight. Maybe I'm not sure what the right word is, but anyway, it's 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 something quite remarkable. Where 
they were able to certainly put aside any personal impact to them from a financial perspective and say, wow, you know what? We've got, we've got our dad back. Wow. We've got our dad back. I think that's what it came down to. And I look, I've since found out that they were really concerned for me. My daughter actually gave me a, a book um, that was all about mental health in the workplace for Christmas. Um, and so wow. the, the signs were, were more apparent that to them than, than perhaps I realized. So, you know, wow. they were, they were, they were super happy um, when I gave them the, when I, when I gave them the news. That's incredible. Um, finally, Steve, there's a story that, that you told me the other day that I really liked, mm-hmm. which was, um, you said that you got a piece of advice or a question where someone asked you about a 10 year plan. And the question that they asked was what you want to tell that story yeah. and specifically how it applies to, I think, uh, being at a gardening shop or something. Yeah, that's right. So, um, I was reading this book and it was all about it's all about um, planning your life, which I must admit I don't. I haven't done a lot of. <laughs> I tend to, I do sort of tend to live more moment to moment and, and and take different opportunities as they come. But anyway, this book was really encouraging me to think about ten years down the track, but not through a financial lens or a you know material lens. It was through a lens of, you know, describe the relationships that you want to have 10 years down the, down the track, just Des- describe the sorts of people that you want to be around um, uh, in 10 years time. And I thought, wow, that's a really deep question. And, and I must admit, I still haven't fully answered that Ben, but um, I think about it every single day and, and it, cause it's really hard to articulate the sort of people that you want to be around in 10 years time. But um, as you know, I, I really enjoy um, working in my garden and I've, I've been trying to master keeping the, the perfect lawn. So I found myself spending more and more time uh, in nurseries and, um, you know, just really enjoying being around plants and, and, and the people that, are, that occupy, um, well, the people that work in nurseries, but also the people that keep gardens. Anyway, I was talking to this lady that worked in this particular nursery and, and in fact, she was a volunteer there. Um, and she was probably 10 or 15 years older um, than me. And she had um, like dirt under her nails from where she'd just been, you know, perhaps planting or weeding. And she had um, like mud on the knees of her jeans where she'd been perhaps kneeling in the garden, you know, weeding or, planting new things and I thought you know what I've just seen the sort of person that I, I want to be around in in 10 years time I want to I want to be around people that you know are not afraid to get their hands dirty aren't afraid to get dirt under their nails um, and um, aren't afraid to you know really try new things and 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 find that creative release through um, nature and gardens. And so it occurred to me in that moment as I was standing there that this is the sort of person that I want to be around in 10 years' time. And I could never have defined that without actually bumping into her in that moment. Man, what a picture. I, uh, I love that. I mean, it's, it's really funny. And I've seen this through a number of conversations, talking through people that are making big money in executive positions that um, like I had a guy who was making pretty good money 
And he walked up to my house one day and he saw me chopping kindling or wood with an ax. And he was like, oh man, I envied that. Yeah. He, he wanted, you know, there's these simple things that we do, whether it's making something with our hands, doing something creative, converting something, watching something grow. You know, even we talked already about relationships and how just loving a child or listening to a baby are some of these mm. most profound moments. And it, mm. when you start making more and more money, I think it gets harder and harder and sometimes more confusing and more difficult to connect with those things. Yep. I love how when you're talking about, you know, cause I've talked to you and I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. We don't have much time. Like when you quit your job, you, you have other options, you know, with jobs, but also like you, there's a lot you don't know. And yet mm. one of the few things you do know is you want dirt under your fingernails. I want dirt under my fingernails. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to feel the earth. And, um, and uh, I think that's, that's important. That's become very important to me. That's become very important to me. And, um, and uh, you know, I just find that for me, I think that's important because when I'm in the garden, um, I'm creating an environment for things to flourish. And that's what I think I enjoy most. And, and you get, I'm, I'm getting this satisfaction from seeing flowers bloom in what was, you know, perhaps a very a bare patch at the same time last year, and I think that's and that's sort of a newfound appreciation for me, and I'm grateful um, to have discovered it, to be honest. And, and if I had uh, to, if I had to guess, Steve, I mean, I know this is a kind of a moral judgment in a way, but mm. if I had to choose between what type of profession would make a better parent or what type of skill set, I would say people who are gardeners can learn and observe more things that will help kids grow than a profession that's a banker. You know, every yeah. every banker in a TV show or movie is learning a skill set that is not, it's actually a contradictory to human life in a way. Not to say it's wrong or bad, you know, mm. the profession of banking and the system that makes it work and run. But, you know, you don't get a picture from movies or archetypes that bankers are the best dads uh, or learning banking makes you a better father but learning what makes plant life thrive and grow. Maybe that's a little metaphorical, but yeah, I love the fact to me, that's an upgrade for you yeah, as I'm hearing yeah. about your dreams. And I know to a lot of the world that would actually be a downgrade moving from a banking position to being a gardener. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a gardener, like I said a moment ago, it's all about creating the right environment for things to flourish, isn't it? And yep. you don't just plant a plant and it grows. And I think the same can be said for your kids. You know, you don't just have a kid and suddenly it grows and, you know, it, it requires constant, you know, you're constantly adjusting the environment um, for them and, and trying to create an environment that allows them to flourish. But ultimately they've got to do the growing. You can create the environment, but ultimately they do the growing. Yeah. And um I think that's what one of the things that I've really loved about being a parent or I really love about being a parent. Um, but it's also the most frustrating thing as well, because sometimes you can create what you think is the perfect environment and they don't flourish for whatever yeah. reason. And so, you know, you need to adjust course. Well, being a gardener is a lot about actually giving up control. Yeah. Kind of what you said and realizing that, you know, you, there's a lot you can control and then there's a yep. lot you don't, you don't make the plant grow. Um, no, no, it's got to do that. Well, anything else you want to say, Steve, about no. this time period right now? Well, it's um, look, it's it's a transition. 
and I'm being really, and I, I think the last thing I would say is that I'm, I'm really learning patience um, and, and instead of just wanting to just, um, you know, jump to conclusions or jump to the next thing or make decisions, I am really learning an art, the art of patience. And that includes being patient with myself. And I think being kinder to myself as, as well. Um, and but that's a bit of a throwaway line because people sort of say that all the time, like, oh, just be kind to yourself. Um, but I'm, I'm really actually trying to learn what that means for me and, um, and give myself the, the space and have the patience with myself to really consider um, what comes next in this, in this transition. I love that. Well, I am very excited for you. Um, not because I think your job sucked, not because I think gardening is awesome, mm. but I just believe acts of courage that take you. I mean, you said that you were not passionate about banking and you sound like you are more passionate about this decision, this next stage of life, even allowing the space. And mm. I feel like people pursuing their passions is always a win. Mm. Um, not to say there's not costs associated with it, but I'm very happy for this new perspective that this step takes you, even if you go back to banking in six months, you know, and that's something else we could probably talk about for another hour is, yeah, totally is yeah. what, why would that be the biggest failure? You know, if you go back and if you have a new perspective on it after six months, uh, I believe those types of perspectives are some of the most costly and valuable things we can attain. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't rule anything out you know, including going back. Who knows? Yeah. Well, hey, uh, thank you, Steve, for your Thank time. you, Ben. Always good to speak with you. And, um, uh, it's, it's always insightful. And uh, thank you for, for all the coaching over the last year. Um, um, it's been incredible and it's given me so many different and new perspectives to, to see things through. And most of all, thank you for the, uh, the hey, cigar, which... I um, I will really enjoy. I hope it's one of your first acts as a, <laughs> as an unemployed yeah. man is uh, yeah. smoking and enjoying and, and enjoying that. Congratulations from us over here. Uh, <laughs> Good on so you. Thank, thank you for sharing. And uh, I would love to do this again at some point and hear how you're done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Ben. All right. Well, we will be in touch. See you. All right. Bye, Steve. Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time.